Well, I mean, what about Mary and Joseph, like, turning the town upside down looking for Jesus? Was that helicopter parenting? Okay, that's different. He disappeared. No, that's different. Your 12-year-old ran off. Your 12-year-old ran off. That's different. Parenting. Yeah, but, you know, your 12-year-old son of God ran off. It's not your average. They don't. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. His skills what? weren't his skills weren't developed yet. They don't know what he was gonna do. They didn't know who he might have fake resurrected. They didn't know what would have, they had to keep they had to keep tabs on him. I you know. Welcome to episode 201 of Pub Theology Live. We are back with weekly conversations on life and faith over a craft brew pint of fine wine or whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Ogan Holder, Shannon Weston, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And whether you're a longtime listener, first time listener, and you would love some more content just for a few bucks a month, you can get access to some uh, pre-show and post-show banter. We had a good little reunion uh, for our pre-show banter today. Got all caught up to what we've been doing. Uh, we even had a brief appearance by uh, the OG, the OG Pub Theology host, uh, Tina, Sassy Sidekick Tina. I think she'll be coming back for the post-show discussion as well so yeah all of that's available sign up at patreon.com slash pt live this week we'll be talking about learning parenting bible emissions and leaving church so what are we drinking for our first day back fellas ogan what are you drinking um i am out here in uh visiting the portland area so um i have from a from a backwoods brewery um it's called a dreamsicle an ale brewed with vanilla an orange. Ooh. So, so remember your uh, your uh, iced dreamsicle treats from whenever from childhood. Yeah, I'm hoping yeah. this recreates that. I, I got a feeling my expectations are a little high. Is but, it a wheat? Is it a wheat like? It, it, it's it says ale. So just says know. ale. Okay, it's a dreamsicle ale. <laughs> and mm, 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 not bad. Uh -huh. It's got it's got it's it's a little you know you know you know I'm not a fan of the hoppy bears. Right, so it's for right. me. It's got the right. It's got the the, the perfect touch of hop, um, and 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 the vanilla, the the vanilla ish really comes through. The vanilla really comes through. I haven't quite haven't quite tasted the orange yet, but but oh, I'm a fan. Right. Okay. Yeah, Brian, what are you drinking? I have, uh, even though it's raining outside currently here in Michigan, I am drinking a sip of sunshine by Lawson's finest liquids it's an ipa and i figure let's break it out while it's still technically summer we don't have too many episodes here before it becomes officially fall and i think this is an east coast brew from connecticut yeah yeah so there you go well i have i am in my um church office and i have the meeting later so i'm not and i'm not able to drink a delicious alcoholic beverage um, but, you know, I don't do a lot of things to live up to a stereotype, but um, 
I decided they might take away my um, white lady card if I didn't go get myself a pumpkin spice latte. So I have a delicious pumpkin spice latte that I'm sipping on. Still a good brew in hand, but just different kind. So my well, white lady card is renewed for another year. <laughs> well done, bringing back. So I've, I've, I'm hanging on to summer. You're jumping ahead with the pumpkin spice. I'm jumping ahead to pumpkin spice. I you like know? it. We got another week and a half till fall, but I'm, I'm, I'm in. If only the weather would cooperate and get there already, but yeah, we bumped up to heat today. It got over like mid eighties and it had been cooling off to the 70s, low seventies. Perfect. Now we're back up to mid eighties. Yeah. We're in a heat wave. Come over to the Northwest. It's, it's, it's good fall temperatures here. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. So what um, was your favorite subject in school or your, and your least favorite? And I don't know what my favorite subject in school is now, but what is yours? <laughs> hmm. um, um, I, I liked physics. Wow. Did you? Look at I this did. I, I, I did. Because, you know, I was always, you know, I'm fascinated by flight. I'm fascinated by how things work. So I loved physics. Interestingly enough, my least favorite subject was math. Right. So calculus, um, all that sort of high end math i was good with the ge geometry because I'm, I'm a visual person so this was the this was the dilemma because there's a lot of math and physics so um they kind of they kind of butted butted heads a lot um but yeah i was i was i was big into the physics that's all i got i was i was a music girl I was thinking about this because when we asked this question they're like well is that a subject in school but like everything my senior year of high school the only real class I had was English everything else was band choir drama I was even the like your senior year you could kind of be a teacher's aide kind of thing mm -hmm. and I was like the choir director's teacher's aide so that was one period of my time like it, I just every every class I had was in the arts. <laughs> and that's probably still true. Um, and I'm trying to think my least favorite. Um, I, I did not enjoy English for some reason. Like I didn't, my, what now is my kids are now, they call it ELA, English language arts or whatever. Right. But just, I didn't, I didn't enjoy reading and whatever. And now that's completely changed. Like, but in See, high I, school, you know. I love the reading part in the in high school. It was right in the papers, in the essays. <laughs> yeah. And we had, and, and, and no matter what stage of high school I was in, we always had like particularly mean English teachers who graded oh. like very heavily. And it was, it was. I wasn't very off. good with grammar. I think that's it. I wasn't very good with grammar. And I, and we didn't have, Okay, we didn't have like, I didn't type my papers, you wrote your papers or you typed on a typewriter because I'm old. And in the very end, even when you did have a computer like late high school, like they didn't, they maybe had spell check, but they didn't have grammar check the way they do no. now. Like right. Grammarly didn't exist. Like no. I, I was awful at spelling and grammar. And so I was like, well, it would be completely different for me now, I think, just completely different. And 
it was it was last thing I say it was bad for me when I left Barbados and came to the US because you know British English versus American English oh it, it was a whole thing whole bunch of U's and words that didn't belong like color and flavor and stuff like that it it, it was a whole adjustment to 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 you know spell checker was going crazy and I thought it was broken you know it was it was a whole thing and you're still learning oh. that the flavor comes from the hops you know I mean no 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 okay no. <laughs> so no. uh in high school i probably math was my favorite subject and like shannon i didn't love english though ironically i became an english uh major in college so wait you were an english major in college how am i now finding this out <laughs> i don't know i did not know that. i was super indecisive in college and around <laughs> the time I, yeah, imagine. And then around the time I, I realized I was likely going to seminary, I was like, I just need to graduate and English, English literature feels as good as anything. And it was great. And it was good prep. I mean, because I so many questions we, we read, you know, you take some great classes, you know, Bible as literature, Shakespeare, etc. Lots of great stuff that feels like good prep for preaching and that kind of thing. Was it though, in hindsight, was it? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Good, <laughs> good readers make good preachers. Just going to say, well, I mean, not that I'm a good, okay. Well, I'm not claiming to be a good preacher, but I've heard. I think, that. I think you just did. <laughs> can we, I mean, he's we, the one that uploaded his sermon to the pub theology. Just, so. just saying, just saying. Like, Y'all need to hear this. <laughs> exactly. So my kids don't say rewind. They say backwards it, or at least when they were younger, they did. They'd say, can you backwards it? So can we backwards the show okay no we're good uh, okay back to truck up so speaking of kids <laughs> if you have kids have you ever had a helicopter parent moment when is the right age to begin trusting your kids and giving them more freedom never no i'm just kidding um i think age when they're two. when they're <laughs> I can hear the blades whirring. Oh God, I'm the opposite of a helicopter parent. <laughs> yeah, seriously. When they're old enough to fix their own bowl of cereal, that's mm. that's that's good. That was like the greatest gift we ever gave ourselves because Joy used to be a wake up, let's go sort of person. Ooh. So when, when I, she might've been around, I don't know, six, maybe even seven, we showed her where the cereal was, where the milk was and left the bowl out, boom. Here's how you turn on the TV. Oh. Best thing the ever. moment our oldest Maggie, the moment she learned numbers, we put a clock in her room and she wasn't allowed to get out of her bed until that first number was a seven. Nice. And if it I was higher it. than a seven, you can get up, of course. But until it's a seven, you are not allowed to get out of bed. And that is exactly <laughs> the way that went. So well done. Um no, I mean, listen, I, I will fully admit I am in the middle of a almost 14 year old girl, teenage versus teenage girl versus mom. Oh, the, best of the, time. the best time. It's, <laughs> it's rough. It's rough. And this is the question, like we're, you know, we're laying out very clearly, you want more responsibility. You've got to show us, you know, that you, you know, whatever. Um, and like, or you want the freedom, here's what you have to do to get it. And there's a lot of consequences reward system happening. 
And I'm like, I thought we were done with toddlers, but like, that's, that's the teenage years. Um, I will say during the pandemic, in terms of a helicopter parent moment, like that was as close as I've come to ever being a helicopter mom was during the pandemic. Cause you just, so you was, mean, was, so you mean, you mean still now then? We're not, we're not done with well, the pandemic. Right? Like, no, no. You know what? I was noticing that. I was noticing that on a radio show earlier today, and somebody was saying that, and I was like, "It's not over." And yeah, then I yeah. That pandemic it. was so 2020. Yeah. Well, 2. what 0. I mean, COVID 2.0 now. Yeah. I guess. Okay, so let me be specific. In when we shut down and the kids went virtual um, in March of 2020, they kept changing my sons, like the way they did school. They literally changed right. it four different times. Right. And in, and there was a fine line between advocacy and helicopter parent, right? Mm. And um, and I was I was walking that line. And I still like I think that's what's hard about it, but I'm I'm noticing that I'm still struggling to give that up. Like, have you done your homework? What do we need to do? How do we need to, you know, when really they were independent on that before? So you know, mm. I don't, I, I don't know. So that's as close as I come. Other than well, that, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> as a, as a parent of a kid in college, not only am I not helicoptering, I'm not even in the same airport. I don't even think I'm in the same municipality. The kids, the kids been back to school for a week. And, um, so far I have texted her twice and got no reply. I am <laughs> assuming she's alive, you know, but but other than that, I figure she'll get back to me at some point in time. And and I will honestly say on some level, it's even, I, I joke about it, but it's actually kind of harder because like if, you know, in you guys' case, if you had kids that were minors at the house, there was some, you still had some measure of like keeping them corralled or, you know, that sort of deal. I got nothing. So she is out doing whatever. And I'm like, we're in the middle of the pandemic and she's out doing whatever. And I got no say, zero say in the whole thing. And I didn't, and I didn't think it would be more worrisome for me. And it wasn't until COVID, you know, but so far, so good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I don't think we've been too helicoptery as uh, parents either. Um, we've always kind of uh, let our kids um, have a, a bit of freedom. Um, I mean, obviously now we live out in the country, so they roam, you know, rural areas. So that that feels, you know, that's one thing. But even when we lived in the city in D.C., we would let our kids sort of go to the park and things like that. And they were much younger then. And uh I remember neighborhood parents are like, oh, you let your kids go to the park? <laughs> like we we've never done that with our kids. But then they were like, well, if you're with the Burkoffs, it's okay. Famous, famous last words. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was like a half, you know, like a half a block down, you know. Sure. Um, so and you know, you'd you'd check out them after a while and things like that. But but we tried to give our kids space. Um now, if my kids were answering this question, I'm sure we'd get a different answer. I'm sure there are ways I have hovered and been super annoying dad, uh, but it's harder when you're in my seat to see that. Well, I think I, I think the answer to the question is also it's like, you know, it de it depends. I don't think there's any one right age. It depends on what 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 they want to do, what the situation is, what's what's the context. It depends on the kids, you know, maturity level. You know, some kids are. 
uh, are are more mature and make smarter, wiser choices earlier than others. So, so for me, I think it's a it's a combination of of you give them the trust and freedom as much as you know they're able to handle it, but then and a little more past that, so that they have a little room to grow to show that they can earn more trust uh more more freedom so it's like you know i i use the analogy of like you know a wide a wide stream or wide channel that that is our level of tolerance and okayness but only tell them about a few feet less than that so that they got they got some wiggle room um um, to do things but but yeah it 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 all it all depends i i will say as a as a pastor who has worked with children and parents, like I have, like we're talking about this in a way, um, like I let, you know, the schools uh, in our neighborhood, but about a fourth of a mile away. And, you know, we let them go down to the, you know, school all the time. We can't see them. We can't, you know, whatever, all that. Um, But, I don't know that any of that's like necessarily helicopter parenting or not the way that I've seen it done (laughs) before um, where, and I think, I think teachers would have a kind of better description, but like I've seen parents not be able to leave their kids side. Um, Like I've seen parents not like the idea of a sleepover is absolutely unacceptable. So everybody like, um, I just, I've seen parents, like, their kids can't do anything. They're so afraid of something happening to them. And it's, and it's not like bad kids. Like, the kids haven't had a chance to do anything bad. There's nothing, they're just constantly being watched and tried to be protected and, you know, all of those things. And, and it's, it's really hard and it's really hard on the kids. Yes. Um, And they're missing out. There's the other aspect of helicopter parenting, which is, um, dictating and to some extent that way dictating every action every every yeah. subject they do every book they read pushing them into a specific sport or or some aspect of academia in order to be successful you are going to be a doctor and here's what that will take you're going to be an athlete a professional athlete here's what that's gonna take or making sure they root for certain teams <laughs> Sure. Let's. That's just good parenting. I was gonna. We don't. We don't have that problem in our house. Uh, You have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. So there's. So there's that. 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 That aspect too. Of. of, Well, uh, no. I just. Like I look at this and I'm going. You know, some people would consider the fact that I make sure that my kids like. Hey, you get a phone, but that phone's my phone. You know, I get to look at it. I get to what. And if there's an appropriate baby, we're talking about that. You know. And also that, good also good parenting. <laughs> but it's just good parenting. And some people are like, sure. oh, well, that's an invasion of privacy. It's like, uh-uh. No, 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 it's what not. about when they're 18? Just asking for a I'm friend. like, they don't they don't get privacy. They live under my roof. They don't get privacy. Is he paying for the phone? <laughs> yeah, he, he is. <laughs> he is? Then it's then it's his. Absolutely. Damn. No, I'm sorry. It's his. If he's 18 and paying for his own phone, that's and again, I think that's part of the like you've yeah. got to give them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point, we've got to trust. I mean, this is the conversation I'm having. At even like the boys are eleven, you know, 
um, the older girl's 13, almost 14, you know, having these conversations of, okay, we're arguing about cleaning your room, but I need to talk about my values with you on why I don't care actually about what you do with your room. What I do care about is the fact that you've washed this same shirt five different times without wearing it. Do you know what washing, you know, does to a shirt? And like, we don't have infinite amount of money to keep buying you clothes. And, you know, it, it, this is a value of ours as a family, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so at 18, when you're paying for your own phone and you're off, I've got to trust that I instilled those values in you and you're not going to do something stupid, but, but you also are because you're 18 and you're dumb, 18, but still living in our house. So I feel like there's a little, well, it's a little bit of a gray decide. area. You got, I wouldn't check his phone though. I would, I would, I would talk about boundaries and parameters. Yeah. Yeah. The sure. rules, the rules, the rules shift from minutia to more, to more, uh, yeah. uh broad brush sort of, sort of stuff. Yeah. So, so take it off the phone. So for instance, if he's still living in my, like if my oldest is still living at my house at 18, going to college, like you're still my kid living in my house. So no matter what time you get home, I'm not going to sleep well until you're home. For sure. So we get, we're going to need to talk about communication and boundaries, not because you're not responsible, but because I'm still your parent and we need to have these discussions, you know, yeah. anyway, we get to talk about who you bring home and what you do with them behind your closed door, you right. know, I right. in my house, that, that, sure. that, that, that sort of deal. Anyway. So I was reading about a mom who was so uh, anxious about her daughter going off to college and that she'd do a good job in her classes that she actually, <laughs> must have been a local college she enrolled in all the same classes no 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 mm, no, no. Well, talk no. about what that mom needs some therapy <laughs> can you imagine well, anything more like humiliating i'm new here and like you're not her. letting her have any kind of experience like you're not letting them i mean i've thought about like i i had a friend that um her daughters are much older like now in their late 20s but when their when her daughters were in high school, she would whatever like we were just talking about how hard it was to read the book and write the paper. Like if they were reading Beowulf or whatever, like her mom would read it too, like at the same time. And I was like, I don't think that's like helicopter parenting. I think that's just like, hey, let's do this together. You can talk about it with me. And she was like, honestly, it was just a way for me to go back and read those classics that I never really understood as a high yeah, schooler. That's, that's wholly different. It's totally <laughs> yeah. different to me than that's, enrolling that is in the class. That's totally, yeah. I just read a short story with my son who's a freshman in high school for his English class. And and it was a short story that I'd never read and it was fantastic. And I was like, right. ooh, and now we can talk about it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 That, that, that's a, that's that's some unhealthy psychosis going on there. I mean, yeah. that's that's another level. That's another level. Well, maybe we wish this was in the Bible, but it's not. No, there's no references to helicopters that I know of. Although, mm. um, given the way some of some people are using the Bible these days, I bet they could find well, one. Well, the the Bible said um, beat your kids, so you know. Well, I mean, what about Mary and Joseph? Like turning the town upside down looking for jesus was that helicopter parenting okay that's different he disappeared no, that's different like, your 12 year old ran off missing. your 12 year old ran off Again. that's different parenting yeah but you know your 12 year old son of god ran off it's not your average they don't okay 
I'm sorry. Oh, okay. His skills what? weren't his skills weren't developed yet. They don't know what he was gonna do. They didn't know who he might have fake resurrected. They didn't know what would <laughs> they had to keep they had to keep tabs on him. I you know. I want to know how the Dalai Lama's mom feels, right? So we're like the Dalai Lama's super super old. Don't they pick him at like age two or something? The yeah, new Dalai Lama. Young. Yeah. Like yeah. so so let's watch like once because in our lifetime probably sooner than later there's gonna be a new Dalai Lama. So Ooh. let's let's watch how that mom reacts to her son being the Dalai Lama. Like, cause that's to me as close as we are going to get to Mary in the, in this day and age. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And how Mary well, would react to your son being. Well, I don't, I don't think, her. I don't think once the, once the, the Lama is chosen, the parents have a whole lot of say, cause, cause a lot of time then the, the child is sent to, to um, temple life very, very young. Right, but she's, I, I don't know. I, I think we're going to hear stories. So I'm curious. Anyway, um, what do you wish was in the Bible, but isn't? Ooh. That's a question. So I was more referencing, um, I believe, like my joke kind of in that, which was probably a very bad joke, was like, I feel like these days people can find anything they want. Uh -huh. And like my response to this question was like, there isn't anything in the Bible that I didn't like that. I wish, you know, I feel like there's enough there because you can find anything you want. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite version of this question, which is all over TikTok, is what's not in the Bible that everybody thinks there is. And one right. of the responses was white people. <laughs> right. Exactly. There you go. There are no white people in the Bible. I thought that was hilarious. I thought it yeah, was so we could we could frame this question either way, right? What's what's not in the Bible that you wish was, or what? Yeah, what's a common thing people assume is in the Bible and it's just not there? So, so what I wish people was in the what I wish was in the Bible that isn't is Jesus's definitive stand on homosexuality. That's that's what I wish was was there, and you wish it because uh, it would give people who are anti-lgbtq no legs to stand on I'm well assuming. i don't I, I don't know it might go the other way i'm just saying <laughs> well I, that's fair I, I wish it i wish it were there so that so that yeah. because because we 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 put a lot of words i mean the bible the gospels already are putting a lot of words in jesus's mouth we also in this day and age put a lot of words in in jesus's mouth so and that's and that's one of them right so a common thing you hear and this and and i have said it and i and i believe it too if if this were an issue if homosexuality being a quote-unquote sin were an issue then why didn't jesus say anything about it he sure spoke about a lot of other sins and and given given the themes of all his other messages then it would it would it would seem and we all advocate that yeah. there's that that's 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 not a that's not a a, a thing to push back against he would right? be welcoming he would be embracing he would, everyone he is would a, he, right okay and well that's that's our position i believe because that's what we personally believe and therefore right but you wish we had him speaking what if he did and he was anti then then it would be worse i feel like. i don't know because he's i i I don't think it would make a huge because difference because <laughs> there, there are enough people on the other side of this equation who say because it is 
listed as a sin in so many other parts of the Bible, and Jesus was very clear about he was there to uphold the law, then he would have, yeah. that that's where he is. So I don't think it would have made a whole huge hill of beans a difference. Those yeah. of us who are welcoming to all would 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 find the places where we could So So Jesus spoke out against divorce. Now, why he spoke out against divorce um, I think a reasonable answer, right? Like people were like men were divorcing women and leaving women and children in the like completely abandoning them right. and not upholding a like. So him speaking out against divorce is one thing, right? But as a as progressive church, we've moved on from that, and there was a direct there is a direct story of Jesus saying divorce is wrong. You know what I mean? And like, there are churches that still uphold that and, you know, whatever. But to Ogan's point, we would have at least been able to say that's there and we don't agree and we're moving on from it. Or that's there and let's yeah. put this in context, which is kind of what we do with Paul. Wait, yeah. wait, let's put, let's put what he's saying in context for a second and then let's move on, you know? Great and example, so, Shannon. Yeah, I just, I think that, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't know if that's something I need. For me, it's always been the fact that he didn't talk about it. And we know first century Palestine that it was something, a, a practice that was, you know, commonplace, if you will. Right. And the fact that he didn't say anything about it tells me everything I need to know. Right. right? Like that's, yeah. that's my philosophy on it. But, but I think you're right. I think there are some people that would like, I would like to hear this concretely. And even if it doesn't go the way I think, then at least we could deal with it. We could deal with it in the context of which it was said and right. we'd be able to move on. Yep. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I have, I'm actually, I think there have been many times in my life where I have had this wish, but right now I don't really like, don't really have it. <laughs> Cause I think I've found that life's just messier than the concrete things. <laughs> And that's what the Bible does. It goes, I'm, I'm in fact, I'm very more skeptical of the concrete things in scripture than I am the ones up for interpretation. Uh, good point. Good point. So for example, like, like, you know, the Bible obviously is a historical book about his, historical events by and large. Um, is it though? Well, in, including, you know, <laughs> versions of history, let's just put it that way. But what if the Bible continued like through the Middle Ages or through up to the Reformation? You know, would that be better or are you becoming Mormon? Would that be better or worse? <laughs> you almost made me spit my bear in my microphone there. <laughs> I'm sorry, did I miss I was saving my announcement for the end of the show, but Oh, I'm no. sorry. I blew it. <laughs> sorry. Actually, oh. another special mm. guest is gonna bring my second wife on here toward the end. Uh, oh, good. Wow. Oh, excellent. You know. Ooh, don't do that. Can we cut all? Oh. We, need, we need to cut a lot of this episode. <laughs> we ain't cut nothing. <laughs> we just get warmed up. We're knocking the rust off. We're just getting warmed up. You know, when you go back and listen to it, you're like, actually, that was really good. But when you're in it, you're like judging yourself too much. You know, <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, I, I, I think that sometimes. So here's here's what's interesting. When I was young and in conservative church, right? Yes. I, I asked this question. Why does the Bible stop? Like this was 2000 years ago, yeah. like, you know, whatever. And my very 
you know, Southern Baptist Sunday school teachers said, God said everything he needed to say in the book. And that's why it's closed. Right. Like, exactly. Like my response was like, even then I was like, that's dumb and like moved on. Right. And yet, still, and yet she became a pastor. <laughs> and, and yet, you know, like I kind of couldn't find what I need to find. Like, like, the again like uh, let's go back to that conversation i was talking about with my daughter it's not about the way you clean your room or our different standards of cleanliness like it comes down to our values and like when we have that conversation i find what i need to find in the bible like i don't need you to speak about every let's like there's no direct quote about abortion and the closest we come to it is actually a law in leviticus where a woman drinks a potion if she gets pregnant after having an affair and if if she's pregnant and the baby like blah blah, blah. like it's this crazy yeah. text and that's as close as we get and that doesn't argue you know now right. are you are you going to talk about the sanctity of life in scripture let's talk about it and we're going to talk about it for real though you know like that kind of thing. You can't just quote Jeremiah and move on. Or Psalm like 139 or, or whatever. Exactly. Like let's let's talk about it and um and and that kind of thing. But you know, some people wish, like I wish the Bible had a direct quote about abortion that I could point to, or they think it does. Or they think it does. They, they think, think it does. does. Yeah. And and again, it's that whole like I just I'm not sure every Every issue that goes before the Supreme Court needs to be in scripture. What about dinosaurs? Do you know, do you wish dinosaurs were in the Bible? It's not possible. Listen, if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Like Jesus riding the, you know. Oh my God, that's my favorite. <laughs> See, I know. Enoch was pretty old. He was a dinosaur. Um, so you know what? You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm watching. Do you guys, did you guys ever watch Lucifer, the series? No, on TV. Okay, so when it first came on TV eons ago, I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. Okay, thanks to the pandemic, a lot of my previous TV views and opinions have changed. So um, there's a series Lucifer is now on Earth, and he is just having a good old time. And what's fascinating is the theology of the show, right? Mm -hmm. So, so. Um, I'm trying not to I'm trying not to spoil anything for folks who haven't watched it, but but the 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 whole premise of this is that is that Lucifer is not so much an evil being has been you know has been like typecast, but it's uh, it's an angel Lucifer the fallen angel is really is really the person who punishes evil not is evil sort of wow. so this is so this is this is cool. a this is the theology behind behind the whole show and he's got this opportunity to uh but but the whole thing is is god his father and you know siblings and other angels but but god never really answers questions directly and mm -hmm. and tells folks what to do like you know it's you know the 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 lead up to the final season is God is retiring, and going, going <laughs> off, going off, going. God's retiring. God's had enough. About I love that. 
right? <laughs> Who's going to be God's successor? God never names his successor and he says, or her. I've equipped you all with all you need to know to figure this out. And nice. God, God hightails it out of there. Right. You know, not the time or the place. <laughs> I love know? that. Exactly. You got to watch Lucifer. It's fascinating. You know, is so, this an ongoing show or is this done and you can it's, watch it's it? All on, it's all on Netflix now. On uh, Netflix. Netflix saved it. And, and the f- new final season uh, dropped this week. Nice. So I think season, oh, six, okay. season six came out this week. Great. And so that's the end. Because yes, I'm not taking on any more shows that aren't done. Because I just need no, to like this. Uh, this will be the this will be the the very next. Yeah, we, this will be the final. final we haven't season. re restarted our Netflix and other things. We cut them all for the summer and. I don't know if that's, I don't know how good parenting that is, but (laughs) I know the Um, kids are like, where's our Netflix. (laughs) But, but I think this is, you know, to, to, to bring this back to the Bible context. I, I think, you know, I think there, I think the vagueness is a good thing because I think, I think it encourages us to be in debate to really like, we're not automatons just following you know, we, we get to interpret this, we get to apply this, we have to let this timeless text evolve along with us as as well. So so while for a lot of folks who might be frustrated as I am sometimes with the lack of definitiveness, I, I really prefer the lack of definitiveness because then, yeah. you, you know, we, we, we get to be that divine expression using that text as guidance in the way that we see fit best for our times because what works best for our times would not have worked best in first century times and previous and vice versa so so yeah yeah but people would love to put you know stuff from you know whatever bc or bce and say you know this applies pretty good to today yeah yeah let's go stone let's go stone some women while we're at it i mean honestly sometimes i mean not the specific things but all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well is kind of gotten me through some time, you know, so Ooh, it's okay. But that's but Julian of Norwich, not the Bible. It also quotes um, like Proverbs, by the way. Is that in Proverbs? Oh. Yeah, honey. Um, so, <laughs> know your Bible, good Lord. I love it. I love it. Um, but but so- to what Shannon said, though, is about the timelessness of values and a lot of the, 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 the Maybe it's values, but I'll find it for you. Anyway. A, lot, a, a lot of the values that are in there about about, you know, love and, and looking out for the stranger and your neighbor yeah. and, and, and welcoming the stranger. A lot of those values are timeless. Yeah. You know how how we live them out like literally, of course, is going to change over the centuries because yeah. all the contexts are different. But but the values are universal. So so, you know that, that that's why I say to to folks, I I can leave a very you know strict conservative evangelical setting and and come to like the fabulous wonderful woo woo space that I'm in and still bring the Bible with me because those 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 core values, not the literalism of the directiveness, but the the or the directives, but the core values and themes transcend any yeah. denomination transcend any era in time yeah as, and one as of all the things as all the scriptures do right right and one of the things we say in the uh, ucc uh, is god is still speaking and so you know we're not just stuck with the bible we're also able to hear god's voice today um, and throughout history and you know not everybody yeah. is open to that kind of view. Some people want to lock God's voice into the literalness of scripture. 
Um, but I think, you know, all of us here would probably agree that uh, God's much broader than that. God's voice. When I, when I, when I think, when I think of God still speaking and this podcast, I got to say cringe a little bit sometimes. Well, I wasn't implying this podcast, but. Well, aren't we God? Aren't we God still speaking? And crickets. I, no. <laughs> uh, I don't think that, but I don't think that. I mean, you know, scripture no, I mean, over a pint. Why not? So, I mean, this is the deal. This is the, like, what you're talking about, Ogan, and what that quote is talking about, it's the, the same thing, which is the spirit is still moving. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. The spirit is still working. And. Yes. And just because the Bible got closed doesn't mean God stopped being no, I know. relational. Like it's it's that thing. But <laughs> but we as the church, I'm trying to move us to the next question. Like we as the church, I have been for 10 minutes, are trying to I'm that I'm that parachute that's slowing everything down. <laughs> we are um, we as the church are supposed to be like manifesting, you know, supposedly. Um, in tune with that. So this is a quote from um, the Reverend Rob Dyer. Um, This is from an article he wrote um, for, I believe, architects, ministry architects or something like that. Um, People have experienced how easy or how difficult it is to live without their church. People learned who their friends are and some discovered or finally acknowledged that the church isn't a necessary part of their lives. As much as churches miss people, People aren't missing back. Oh, I think I mistyped that. People just aren't coming back. Sorry. I actually really wow. like people aren't missing us back. <laughs> I, I know. That was a big typo like on my part. That was a big typo. So he said, as much as churches miss people, definitely people just aren't coming back. Definitely, definitely a Freudian typo, I think, there. Because <laughs> they don't miss us. Exactly. <laughs> They're not coming back and they don't miss us. Because they don't miss us. I I think that's right. Yep. I do. I think he's right on in that. Um I know Rob. Y'all know Rob? It's tough. I I uh the name is sort of familiar, but I don't know if I do know Rob. I think he's a Presbyterian. You know him? Yeah. Yeah. So and and I and I I do. I think I, I read that article and I I saw a lot of people's comments on like, oh my gosh, this resonates so much. Um, And I, this is, you know, one argument that was made um, that I, I I actually, the more time I've spent with it, the more I struggle with it in the positive way, I guess, is that um, a pastor talking about, you know, we all went to a virtual and we all needed to do that. And that was important and that's good but we shouldn't keep doing that. Like, and I was like, okay, interesting. And, and we're, you know, our church is live streaming and, oh, we need to be inclusive and we need to whatever. And his, his kind of comment, this, I forget who it was, this pastor's comment was the live stream is going to keep this group, right? The people that could give or take but that still are going to try to get some kind of message from it or, you know, whatever, it's going to give them an excuse not to come back. Like, so, so you, 
Brian, you just cor corrected your correction. So it really is people aren't missing back. I think he might have typoed the article because the article title is like people aren't coming back. But I, this is a copy and paste from the article. So I, I didn't. That's too funny. It wasn't a typo on my part. might have been on Rob's so, part. So, so to go along with what Shannon was saying and let's go. So I don't think people are missing are not missing church. I think what people aren't missing is Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Right. I think I think people because because of and we were doing this before the pandemic, but we really leaned in hard making what we do available to anyone anytime. Yeah. The, the delivery system, which was already changing a little bit, kicked into high gear because of the pandemic. And people are like, oh, I can get my spiritual nourishment without giving up my Sunday morning. Staying on my right? couch staying on my couch not burning myself out volunteering for three four hours that sort of deal and when people are realizing that they're like oh well i kind of like this right yes. so i don't think they're missing what in terms of content and 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 what the church offers they're they don't miss they don't miss the delivery system and we and 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 we were in i mean there was no good church that wasn't in discussion about this before the pandemic happened Right as as we were beginning to see declining numbers, this is right. I thought this quote might have been from before pandemic, right. but I right. think the pandemic, as much as it was a disruptor, it was also an accelerator. It just yeah. sped up the inevitable. So 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 are we gonna, are totally we gonna, yeah are we are we going to go with the flow of where things are going? Or are we going to try and fight to get back to a place where people are going? Like I don't know that I want to go back there. And yeah, I. I, I'll jump in real quick before Shannon jumps back in. No, it's okay. uh, I think it, I think it's a both and, you know, I think, um, you know, if we, so we started back in person in June with outdoor services after what a year and two or three months of only online services. Mm -hmm. And I was really anxious to see what would happen. And our first couple of Sundays we had like a, you know, we were meeting, we're meeting on the rooftop of, of this uh, venue and we had a packed, deck for the first couple Sundays and it's sort of you know tapered down uh so I think people were initially like ooh excited to see their friends and so on but the numbers have slowly sort of you know we're maybe now averaging about half of what those first couple Sundays were mm -hmm. and part of it was it's summer and people's vacations or people's schedules are including vacations and whatnot but also what Ogan said people realized I don't know if I need to show up on Sunday morning because we're still live streaming. So we have people who are tuning in from home and some people who are just like, man, I could take it. And, and, and to be clear, I don't think there will ever be a substitute for in, in person gathering with each other. Right. But it doesn't need to happen on Sunday morning. And when people get together, it doesn't need to be the time to hear the pastor preach get together for for other reasons get together just sure. for fellowship get together just for breaking bread and and leave the pastor sermon online where you can watch it at your convenience yeah right yeah. so so i think the pandemic has really been been begging us to reimagine how we deliver the 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 gospel how we deliver our teachings to a world that is changing and doesn't want to go back to, oh, I got to get up early Sunday and get my clothes on and all this sort of stuff again. People don't want to go back to that. And also people are exhausted from the pandemic. We're burnt out emotionally, we're burnt out mentally, and 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 we're still in the pandemic. So now we're like, we're still in the pandemic 
And now we're asking people to put another thing back on their plate. And I think that's hard for a lot of people, not everyone, but for a lot of people. It is. It is. Shannon, what's your view? I, you know, I, I think that people who were looking for an excuse to step away found it, right? Um, and my my guess is at the end of the day, like anybody who leaves church, um, you you were always you were looking for a reason to go. Um, and I so I think there's that group and let's just whether that's a quarter of people or whatever, there's just that group that we can like kind of lob off that we're one foot out the door anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they came sees like not even I'm not even talking about the seasonal people like Christmas and Easter. Like I'm talking about the people that showed up once every three months. I do think that they're I think that the other well, let me jump to the other side of that group, which are the people for which the pandemic wasn't exhausting for. They're where they and and I think that that's a lot of this senior crowd who were like, my life really didn't change that much. I was already retired. It just meant I had to order my groceries instead of go into the grocery store or I wore my mask in the grocery store or whatever. And to them, church is a necessary part of life. And they are the ones coming back in, you know, vaccinated and masked and, you know, whatever else. And then to me, I think there's this muddy middle of people who at the end of the day, they want to still be associated somewhere but they don't want to do the work and mm. the work is harder now. Um, and they wanted to come on Sunday morning and they wanted to see other people and they wanted to be seen and they, yeah, got a little feel good from the sermon and the music and everything else. And then they went about their lives. They never, you know, these, these weren't the people that overly volunteered or things like that before. And I think that they're still going to, I think they're going to stay online but still want to make sure they've been, you know, they're commenting on the chat. Great to see everybody, but they're not stepping back through the door, you know? Yeah, I think that's right. We've had a real mix of that, you know, people who've come once or twice for our in-person, but, you know, we do see them popping in online or connecting other ways. Like Ogan said, you know, they, they're active in our church Facebook group and, um, and they don't need the, the regular Sunday morning um, in person. And, and we also, you know, started putting our um, stuff on our podcast or, you know, creating a church podcast, sometimes accidentally putting on this podcast. Um, but so, Pete, you know, trying to put as this Ogan, podcast on that one. That's the <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. I need to return the favor. But as Ogan said, you know, creating as many ways as possible to connect with folks and create, you know, deliver content in ways that's accessible and letting people choose what they need and what they don't need. And what's important with that is then that we, as the as the pastors and ministers of church boards, have to then uh, redefine our metrics for success. It's yes. no longer the yes. butts in the seats, you know, uh, sort of sort of deal, um, and and really manage our expectations a- around that. And I think that we haven't been doing. Not all of us have been doing a good job of that because we are like um, like a lot of our congregants when we were in pandemic times you know many of us wanted to get back with the people you know what many of us i i gave i gave a talk in front of a live congregation for the first time like three weeks ago right how did that go 
Well, it, I mean, it went great, but the point is leading up to it, I was like really nervous. I was like, do I remember how to do this? It's I'm been sure. a while, <laughs> right? And and it was it was it was a little rusty at first, you know. But then this past Sunday, I was like, it I was in my element. It was great. It was fabulous. It was it was awesome to be in front of and and have that, you know, in the moment feedback yeah. from yes. people, you know, there's there's nothing that replaces that. You miss I, it a little. I do. I do. I that Oh, the the energy? Oh my gosh, yeah, there's of nothing course. like that energy. Yeah. But this is I'm not advocating for that to go away. I'm just simply saying yes. Sunday morning at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, that tabernacle model that we've been following for the last four, five, six hundred years. That's that's run. That's it was barely running its course before COVID and COVID is like, let's let's get on with this, <laughs> you know, sort of deal. And and we're seeing this now from the congregation who we assume that once we open the doors, they're going to just come on flooding back in. And now they're saying like, whoa. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of like saying, the shifts that were made. They're saying shut the front door. <laughs> yeah, they're saying shut it, but not with us inside. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, I think that my fear, and this isn't just a fear as a pastor that like, oh my God, there won't be congregants anymore. Like, no, like my fear is as somebody who cares about people and very much loves community is that people will go, I don't really miss it. I'm not going to go back, but then there won't be a replacement. There's nothing to like, there's like, let's just talk about the, we, um, in-person stuff. Like there may be stuff to replace the like online stuff. Um, we've all switched to that and whatever, where, if people walk away from church, we're already at a deficit of loneliness for people and lack of community. And if you walk away from church, where, like, where are people really going to find that? I'm not saying it can't be found, but that's my concern is that that's one more place of lack. This is why then you lean into perhaps like some of the, some of the, like the first ways church was held, small groups in people's houses, other events, like just, again, back to the just hospitality type social gatherings that have nothing to do with with what I what I would term the spiritual education pieces, right? Because on Sunday morning, there's like spiritual education where the pastor's preaching. There's what I would call like spiritual inspiration. You're coming, you're singing, you're raising your voices and song together, you know, depending on what community you're in, there's there's a time for meditation, there's a time for collective prayer, there's that. And then there's there's a spiritual community connection, your hospitalities, you're talking after church, you're talking before church, your sort of deal. And we've been for centuries smushing all three of these into like three hours on a Sunday morning, right? Can we creatively divide those up into three wholly independent segments and just make sure they still keep happening usually in both online and in-person uh, context? I believe that that's, that's where we're, that's where we are being pushed to, not just because of the pandemic, but because of people, again, not Sunday, listen, Sunday morning is exhausting. We know it is exhausting for us. It's exhausting for volunteers. It's exhausting for, for, for the people who come to church. Like when I was in church at San Francisco, they do a whole like almost 30, 40 minute meditation time before service starts. There are people showing up for the meditation and then going home. They're like, this, this, this is all, this is all we got time for today. Right. Right. This is all we yeah. want to engage in today. We'll watch the talk later on online. So as we, as we provide, I think, 
if we are intentional and creative about about making different aspects of you know big umbrella church available to different people at different times in different ways we are going to keep people engaged uh, people will want to be engaged with us because there's not all that pressure on them that's my soapbox i hope i mean listen i hope that that is true i i think the other expansive part of this is there are people for who, like the, the front part of this quote, right? People le learned who their friends are and some discovered and finally acknowledged, you know, that the church isn't, but like some finally acknowledged that some people weren't their friends. You know, I think mm -hmm. the church has done a pretty, at least the churches I know have done a really good job of reaching out and really in some ways getting back to that original idea of hospitality and care in that deacon manner, you know, what can I do for you? You know, kind of thing. I'm going to the grocery store. Do you need something? Like, can I pick it up for you kind of stuff? And, and it did kind of get back to some original roots of community, but we also learned who let's take this from a church perspective. We learned who our friends were too. We learned who showed up to Zoom meetings. We learned who wanted and needed us to be yep. part of this group. Like we learned who our friends were too. Mm. And, and I think that as we go through this um, period of, like we were talking about, you know, there's, there's no over here. There's no when the pandemic's over. We need to stop talking like that. Mm. You know, I, this is the new normal until there's another normal. Like, this is yeah. well let me rephrase that this is the norm until there's a new normal um and just accept that and move on and so it's it's hard and and delta's given people an excuse that needed an excuse you know it's getting back to what we're comfortable with and things like that but you know it works both ways in terms of that figuring out who your friends are Speaking of uh, speaking of friends, uh, I want to shout out some of our Facebook friends that have uh, oh, good. weighed okay. in. Uh, um, hey to Sam and hey to Rob watching from the UK. Um, um, sorry, Rob, I can read. Hey to Sam and Rob's watching the UK. Rob says people of faith and spirituality need to find places to gather in third spaces mm -hmm. where the public inhabits, go for intentional walks and such. And people, to Shannon's point, people may walk away because they've wanted an excuse to do it. And that's no bad thing agreed and and I'll listen that's like to use a terrible analogy that i hate but like trim the fat kind of thing right like blessings to you on your way yeah. i mean you're that's right. you know what i mean and, and and to bring this full circle about things in the bible like isn't there a thing in the bible about everything has a season right you know maybe maybe, maybe the maybe the maybe there's a thing in there yeah maybe the season of the church was you know However, it was a thousand years, fifteen hundred years. Maybe, maybe this is our season, and maybe it's time for us to wrap this show up. I don't know. Ooh. It's interesting to me that you know Phyllis Tickle made that comment of every five hundred years the church reinvents itself, mm. and the five hundredth, you know, was not that long ago. Yeah. Um, right. And it was just one of those things that were like, you know what? It's not exactly like literally to the day five hundred years. Like it's you know a couple years and. Um, I, I think that I say this as a pastor and I would say this to any parishioner of mine, you know, if you're feeling that I'm not missing you back, 
but you still want to be connected, now is the time to go out and find a place where you feel connected. And, and again, blessings to you in that, you know, nobody, this is, I mean, we, people have found us that they're like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know church could be like this. And I'm like, sure, absolutely. Welcome. You know, that's fine. (laughs) Rob says, Rob says, last one out, switch off the lights. (laughs) 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 (sighs) But we're, we're going to be facing a lot more reality in the next five years too. So let's just, yeah. And we're at least in our church. I mean, I'm, I've got a lot of questions. We're still not coming out of, and it's going to be a really ugly question to ask, but where churches were just decimated by COVID, like, what do they look like? What's going on there? You know, yeah. I mean, where really people did not take this seriously and whole communities are gone now. Oh, like people died. I thought you meant like people just stopped showing up and stopped giving, but you mean like church members died from COVID. Yeah. Yes. Like and literally like significant decimated. member, like significant portions of those churches died, you know, so. Right. Um, Magic. And again, like, let's go back to that to say, if you were a person that took this very seriously and your church wasn't, you're, you're probably out there looking like, I can't go back to people who didn't care about my life, you know? Yeah. So that's right. It's, it's just, it's going to be a time of reframing and we've all got to be flexible. That's what I'll say about it. Love it. That'll preach. <laughs> so any, any final words, uh, friends on either learning, parenting, what's in the Bible or isn't, and uh, whether people are coming back to church. I think I should be able to let my kids go as easily as I let church members go and just be like, see, ah, not, there's not a good nice. fit here. <laughs> nice. At what age do you stop mandating church attendance for your children? That's a whole nother discussion. Seriously. Tune in next week. <laughs> or post show. Right. We take that Let's up in the post show. Let's talk about that post show. Let's talk about that. Maybe that's a good post show. Good, yeah. good, good post show dis- discussion. So which, become which... a Patreon. There you go. Patron on Patreon, and you can hear our uh, thoughts on that. You can hear the post show. Absolutely. Well, it's great to be back, friends. Thank you for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. You can show your love for the show, as Shannon said, by becoming a supporter on Patreon. You'll get access to extended interviews with special guests, pre and post show banter, and more. Visit patreon.com slash PT Live to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Of course, you can listen to Pub Theology Live anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. You can watch us live on Facebook on Tuesdays around 4.30 Eastern Time. And if you'd like to meet up with some friends locally to have Pub Theology conversations, open conversations on life and faith, uh, check out all the information at pubtheology.com. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Farewell, Jess Hands. Back. We Welcome did it. Welcome to another episode of Brian Asks Parenting Questions on Pub Theology. <laughs> <laughs>